born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Got a few things I want to talk to you about. It has to do with a little subject that is Lordship Salvation, the real gospel. If it is, we need to preach it. If it isn't, we need to shun it. I've been preaching now about 55 years. I've been to a lot of churches, and it's amazing how you will see the tentacles of Lordship Salvation permeate the preacher's sermons. If you want to know where a church stands, just generally just find their tracks that they got in the foyer and look at it and see what does it say about how to be saved. And it'll tell you an awful lot what they will tolerate. Sometimes that's where I get some of my sermon material for that Sunday in their church. And uh, I used to listen to my radio broadcast, not, not mine, I would listen to whoever was preaching right before me, which in most cases here has always been R.C. Sproul. Anybody ever heard of R.C. Sproul? All right, some of you have. Anybody here ever heard of a guy named John MacArthur? Now, they are looked up to as really special elite in the knowledge of the Bible, and they have many followers all over the world. And then there's Yankee. But I do teach contrary to what they teach. They are strong exponents of the teaching of Lordship Salvation because of their teaching of Calvinism. And so when they teach Calvinism, they have to always get into the, you know, the tulip. The tulip is the devil's favorite flower. The P stands for perseverance of the saints. That if you're really saved, this is how you're going to live. And if you don't live up to this standard, then it's a sign you weren't really saved. And so it causes a lot of questions. causes people to doubt their salvation. And anytime you are in question or filled with any doubt, you do not make a good witness for the Lord about how do you tell somebody else how to be saved. Now, I want to take a look at some of these things, but I want you to take, first of all, your Bible and turn to the book of Luke and chapter 14. You see, many do not distinguish 
between discipleship and salvation. They're not the same. But if you make it the same, then you've got to take everything that's required in discipleship and insert it into the gospel message so you mix the two together in order for a person to know what he's got to do to be saved or to know that he's really saved. These things are important to know. So look there in the book of Luke in chapter 14 and look in verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See there? You have to deny yourself. You've got to take up the cross. You've got to follow the Lord. And if you don't, that's it. Look at the next verse in verse 30 where it says, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So it's not just that you can start on this road to salvation. You have to finish on this road to salvation. And a lot of people start but never finish, which means they don't get to be saved, they don't get to go to heaven because, you see, along the way you went astray. And so you didn't stay on that straight and narrow path, so therefore you can't go to heaven because, you see, you didn't have enough faith to finish. Look what he also says in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So now you can see why you have to be willing to forsake everything in order to serve the Lord. Now, on the notes that I just gave you, turn page over. Because right in the middle of this page, I want to read this to you so you'll know where I'm coming from. In that second paragraph, some proponents of lordship salvation. Now, lordship salvation simply means you've got to make Christ the Lord, the master of your life, in order to be saved. So you've got to serve the Lord. You've got to be willing to forsake all that you have and serve the Lord. Take up your cross daily and follow Him. So you can't really know that you're saved until you finish the race because you can start but not finish. So therefore, many people are confused about how can you say the Bible says eternal life is the gift of God and it's by grace you're saved when we just read verses that says you've got to forsake everything. All right, look at this statement. Some proponents of lordship salvation would allow that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But then, we'll insist that a saved person will show signs of being saved, such as sinning less and doing good works. If these signs are not present, they will insist, or at least heavily suspect, that a person has never believed in Christ the Savior. L.S. stands for Lordship Salvation. Has its root in covenant reformed Calvinistic teaching, which leads a person to believe he must continue in good works to prove his salvation to God, the P in the Calvinist tulip, perseverance of the saints. Now, they make no distinction between salvation by grace and discipleship by works. You see, you're saved, as the Bible says, by grace alone and what Christ did for us. 
and you're saved by grace, and you're kept by grace. And God says he'll never cast you out, he'll never lose you. He says no man can ever pluck you out of his hand. So the Bible says you're saved by trusting Christ and him as your only hope of going to heaven. If you have to do these other things, then automatically there has to be and requires to be inspection. Although this list is by no means complete, following are some of the terms that are associated with lordship salvation as being requirements for receiving eternal life. In other words, you want to have eternal life and go to heaven? All right, this is what you must consider doing. And many people would love to go to heaven, but when they see what people and preachers are telling them that is required, then they just give up because I have a problem. Maybe you smoke, drink, dip and chew, and go with the girls who do. And you've got to give up all of those things. Well, the problem that people have is there is pleasure in sin. If there was no pleasure in sin, it would make it a lot easier on preachers. We could easily get people to live a holy, godly life if you didn't like sin. But it seems like everybody loves sin. And there is pleasure in sin. If there wasn't pleasure in sin, people wouldn't do it. Don't that make sense? So now look at the first word here. Repent of your sins. Now, if I tell a lost man who wants to go to heaven, you have to turn from your sins. That might sound spiritual. All I want you to do, here's a man who's guilty of everything in the book. And I said, you want some good news? He says, sure. You've got to quit your sinning. That really comes across great. Maybe he's got some bad habits and he's tried to quit them all his life and he can't do it. So you're telling a person he's got to stop being a sinner. Turn from your sins. I mean, stop sinning. What it means. Now, who do you know that has stopped sinning? Do you know anybody like that? You see, whenever you study in the book of Matthew, where it says Jesus makes the statement, in the law it is written, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that he that looks upon a woman and lusts after her in his heart hath committed adultery already. You see, Jesus says, you're breaking the spirit of the law. It's not that you, I don't commit adultery. But have you thought about it? Thou shalt not murder. But have you gotten angry? You see, there is the external fulfillment of the law. And there is the internal fulfillment of the law. Where if you think it, and it's your attitude that's not right, that's, in God's eyes, as bad as though you never committed the sin, but you thought about it. You see, God says, except your righteousness, yours, not God's, your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, in other words, God's simply stating, you've got to be perfect to go to heaven. So if a man is drinking, smoking, lying, dipping and chewing and doing all the bad things, if he stops all of that, now he's going to heaven, right? He's not going to heaven because he stopped those things. When he does the next sin, is you, are you saved until the next sin? Look at the next statement. See, repent of sin simply means change your mind. And trust Christ as your Savior. Don't think for a moment you can save yourself by your good works. God commandeth every man to repent. 
Change your mind. Reconsider. You can't save yourself. Don't trust you. Don't trust the church. Don't trust anybody. Don't trust the preacher. Trust only the true and living God and what he said and what Christ did for you. And if you'll trust him, you can have eternal life. Look at the next statement. Some people say, well, I, um, I've tried to turn from my sins, but I can't do it. Yes, but are you willing to do it? Oh, I'm willing. Okay, does that mean you saves you because you were willing, but you didn't do anything about turning from your sin? You see, these are terminologies that preachers use all the time. And they'll stand in the pulpit, and they'll pound the pulpit, and you've got to repent, or burn, or turn, or burn, forsake, or bake, whine, or pine, moan, or groan, and try to get a person all worked up. You've got to be willing to stop all those bad things you're doing. That's not salvation by grace. That is salvation by your works. And God's already says, not of works which we have done. Look at the next statement. Put Christ on the throne of your life. Years ago, and they may still do it, Campus Crusade came out with the four spiritual flaws, uh, laws. And what they did is they had a little track and they had a circle. And it had ego on the throne of your life. Anybody ever see this? None of y'all have ever seen one of them? Just a couple of y'all brilliant individuals in here. But they will tell you, you must take ego, you, off the throne of your life and put Christ on the throne of your life. And so you've got to make him the Lord and the master of your life. So therefore you've got to get Christ in your life. Would you like to have Christ in your life? Now you've got to kind of go, how did that work? Well, you've got to ask Jesus to come into your heart. That phrase isn't in the Bible either. Though many people use it with little children. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. And he's knocking at your heart's door. But the lock is on the inside and he can't get in unless you undo the latch. That was done in a little child evangelism program and kids started bawling his eyes out. Teachers said, well, what's wrong? I don't know how to undo the latch. Some kids will take you at your word. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Why not your leg? Why not your eye? What about your kidneys? What about asking them to come into, you know, your gallbladder? The heart does nothing more than pump blood. How many times have you ever watched Billy Graham turn? Ask Jesus into your heart. Well, anybody's got any sense at all? No, that does nothing more than pump blood through your body. And now there's a problem because now if I have heart surgery and they gave my heart to an atheist, he goes to heaven and I go to hell. It's just not fair. But some people will literally take you at your word. Give your life to Christ. Give your life. See, this part of my, see, I've already lived this. I've already lived 77. But what if God gave me to 97? Well, I got 20 years. Lord, I'm going to give you my life. What do I mean by that? It means that I'm going to live for you in this time of my life. I'm going to give this to you, Lord. You can use me however you want. Now, is that how you get to heaven? By promising to give God your life. Because if I don't, perform, then I don't get saved. I don't get to go to heaven. Why? Because I changed my mind after a week. Or right before I died, I didn't finish the race. I messed up right at the end. Because unless you're willing to pay the price all the way to the end, then you can't get in. Now, 
There's another one here. Commit to follow Christ. Are you willing to be made willing to follow Christ? Are you willing to be made willing? Okay, well, when does God save me? When I was willing to be made willing? But what if after a while I'm, I'm not willing anymore? This is too high a to price to pay. Now, this is where John MacArthur comes in, and he wrote this. Look at this statement. It's in the bold. From saved without doubt, right in the middle of your page. MacArthur study series. He says, it's not that he, God, merely sees what will happen in the future. Rather, he ordained it. The Bible clearly teaches that God sovereignly choose people to believe in him. In other words, what he's saying is, God has already chosen who is going to believe in him because he's going to give them the faith to believe. So when we read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, which in context is talking about salvation. But John MacArthur in Calvinism, it says faith is the gift. And you can't believe in Christ until God gives you the faith to believe. And you can't have the faith until God saves you first. God has to save you before you ever believe. That's backwards. That's not what the Bible teaches. But because they can quote the Hebrew and the Greek, people are so impressed because you can twist Hebrew and Greek just like you can twist English. And knowing Hebrew and Greek is not the answer to understanding what God is trying to get us this message. You say, how do you know that? Because when Christ was here, they had Hebrew, and they had Greek, and Aramaic, and they still couldn't see it and understand it. Still did not understand the Bible. Now, as one of our favorite teachers around here says, it's better to see it in Hebrew and Greek because it, that's like putting it in color. Now, I used to like those old westerns, you know, Hopalong Cassidy and Roy Rogers. They didn't have color, and then all of a sudden they came in with color. Color was so much better. But what I saw was still what I saw. It didn't change the story. But it helps you to see and understand and enjoy better. Now get this. He wrote another statement. This is John MacArthur. Look at the next statement. No one, it's in the bold, no one can be saved who counts the cost and is unwilling to pay it. No one can be saved who counts the cost and is unwilling to pay it. In other words, there's a payment that you have to make. You've got to stop all these bad things and start doing all these good things and there's a payment that you've got to make. It's just like, you know, paying rent. If you don't pay rent at the end of the month, then you can't stay there. So if you don't make these payments of these good works that's required, then you lose your salvation and then you've got to start all over again. And that's why you have a lot of people say, yeah, you can be saved today and lost tomorrow. Why? Because you didn't keep up your payments. Because they're saying salvation is by your works. God will let the good people who do good deeds go to heaven and all the people who do the bad things go to hell. That sounds so good, so spiritual. It's just wrong. God so loved the world. God did not choose who would go to heaven and who would go to hell. Now, what I want you to look at is the very last line on page two, the very last paragraph. If you'll notice there, to believe in lordship salvation means must be willing to serve the master in order to be saved. Stay saved or prove you're saved. Is only your, and here's that word, beginning to salvation. And your total commitment is only complete when you finish the line. Death. It's only good until you die. Because you see, you can't have total commitment until the day you die. Did you maintain? 
So you can't know for sure you're going to make it until the day you die. Now, isn't that a shame to live your whole life and be like it says in the book of um, Matthew chapter 7. He says, some will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works and cast out devils in thy name and prophesied in thy name? And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Not that I knew you one time, but then I lost you. You used to be saved, but you're not saved anymore. He says, you never were. I never knew you. You see, and they did many wonderful works. So wonderful works is lordship salvation. Lord, Lord, have we not? Boom. That's lordship salvation. That's not how a man is saved. A man is saved by just trusting Christ as his Savior. Believing that when Christ died, he died for you and paid for all of your sins. Look at the last line in bold. Then, and only then, when it is finished, can a man who believed in lordship salvation know that he's made it. And God's already determined ahead of time he didn't. So now why would a person want to believe in lordship salvation? But churches are full of them, and preachers are preaching it. And they're telling people that, and you see, how do you know they're teaching works for salvation? Because every one of this, now, see that list up there? When it says turn from your sins, automatically you've got to get out your magnifying glass and begin to inspect your life. Did you? Did you turn from all of your sins? There's not a person in this room who has. You haven't turned from all your sins, or you'd be sinless. Are you sinless? Let me just talk to your wife. Or just let me talk to your kids. They'll tell me how holy their parents are. And they never do anything wrong. Or your wife. We'll just throw her in there. Good measure. All right. Turn to page one. Those were my opening remarks. But I want you to look at the top of the page there. If these two verses are true, Lordship salvation is and has to be false. For by grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. It means if God's going to save me by grace, it means I cannot merit salvation. I can't deserve it. So whenever you say turn from your sins, that's because see, you don't deserve it with all those sins. And you've got to commit your life to Christ. That means you'll have to deserve going to heaven. So is it by grace or do you have to deserve it? Can't God, if it's by grace, save me without me doing this one or that one? If he can't do that, then salvation is not by grace at all. I have to deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. Never have, never will. And yet you'll be surprised how easy it is for people to get messed up. Now look at the next statement. Where it says, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, is salvation the gift or not? The Bible says it is the gift of God. The gift of God is temporary life. Eternal life. Not temporary, but eternal life. In Ephesians 2, 9, when it says, not of works. Not of works would mean I don't depend upon my works in any way, shape, or form as a means of being saved, staying saved, and proving that I'm saved. How do you know you're saved then? Because God said so. That's the only evidence I need is the one who designed life, me, heaven, hell. And he says, the only way I can escape hell is trusting Christ as my Savior. So how do I know I'm going? Because God says I'm going to heaven. 
And when he says, I'm going to heaven, then I believe that. That's all the evidence I need. I do not put any merit in any of my good deeds that I've done the rest of my life. Or what I've done in the first 55 years since I trusted Christ as my Savior. Or 59 years. I just sinned. I made a mistake. Look at the next statement. Lordship salvation is the unsupportable and unbiblical belief that the performance of good works, the promise of good works, or the evidence of good works must accompany faith in Christ in order to establish or provide evidence that such faith has resulted in eternal life. So if you believe in Lordship salvation, prove it. Prove you're saved. And what evidence are you going to use that you're really saved and you really know you're going to heaven outside the Word of God? Now, your life will change from moment to moment and day by day, how you live. But the Word of God does not change. When I first understood 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may what? Know that you have eternal life. Did you know after I've had a bad day and things didn't go right and I got angry and bitter and upset, that verse is still in the Bible. That verse is still there. And it doesn't say, until you sin again. He said, I'll never cast you out and never lose you. He that believeth on me hath president hath what? Everlasting life. Look at the next statement. Lordship salvation can be overt. One must forsake all of his sins and follow Christ in obedience and discipleship in order to be saved. Or it can be very subtle. One's behavior will change once you're saved. You'll hear people say that. Well, if you're really saved, you will. And if you're really saved, you may never. That's not the proof that a man is saved because he changed his life. And yet you'll hear people say, well, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That one's used an awful lot. So therefore, if there's not this new change, old things passed away, and all new, then that's evidently a sign you, you didn't really get saved. You didn't mean business. You see, salvation is based upon God, meaning business. And whenever I was born into this world, I had a flesh birth, sinful nature. I sinned. It's the way I was. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, He didn't change my flesh birth. He gave me a new birth. This one is born of God. This one doesn't sin because it has no sinful nature. If it has no sinful nature, this one can't sin. If it can't sin, it can't die. That's why I will live forever with the Lord. And I'm good to go at any time because this one is perfect. This one is sinful. Totally opposed to each other. So that's the reason that you and I need to understand that this one, being flesh, is always going to be flesh. And it cannot undo the new birth. So if I, as a believer, walk into flesh, that doesn't do away with my birth in the Spirit. And if I was to serve the Lord today and live a holy, godly life and obey God and all things, that doesn't do away with this one either. Because you know you're always tempted with sin. You still get mad and angry and bitter. And if you're honest, you'll admit that. But the Bible says this, if any man be in Christ... 
This one is. This one is not. Old things are passed away means I'm no longer a child of the devil going to hell. I'm now a child of God going to heaven. And this is that new condition, and this is the old condition. My position has changed in God's eyes. But when you don't understand this, you can take that verse that we just read in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 17, and twist it to say something it doesn't say. Would take my place. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day believing that the Lord is coming soon and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.